Freedom Radio, where we plan to nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a food patriot to the natural world, and a person who feels like she just took a little trip to Copenhagen after reading uh, Trina Hannerman's book, Copenhagen Food. Um, so she'll be joining us, this world, um, uh, this expert on Scandinavian uh, cooking. And also in studio with us is Julie Ingebretson. Uh, Julie is the third generation owner of a Minneapolis icon, Ingebretson's. And today, this show, we're taping the show early, but it will air on Saturday, October 20th. And what is Saturday, October 20th known for? Well, at Ingebretsen's, it's known as Ludovic Day. Uh, we've been doing it for about 25 years now. So it's a day people can come and get a little taste of the infamous food called Ludovic. Um, if they've never tried it, that's a chance to do it without too much too many repercussions. <laughs> so if you've never tried Ludafisk and you're listening to this on Saturday, how can you get your free sample of Ludafisk? Just, just come on into the store. We're at 16th and East Lake in Minneapolis. And what times are you sampling? Um, we usually start around 10, 11 o'clock and go till early afternoon. So for those who do not know, what is Ludafisk? Ludafisk is a, a strange delicacy. It's codfish that's been dried for preservation, and then it's reconstituted by soaking it in lye, and then the lye is rinsed out, and it turns kind of soft and kind of gel gelatinous. But if you cook it right, it, it tastes much more like real food. Cool. Um, and so we microwave it and serve it with lots of butter. It's really good with butter. <laughs> As long as stuff has butter, it's perfectly fine. And um, joining us now, um, and she's in New York right now, but she uh, lives in Copenhagen, and she is a um, an author of several cookbooks, is Trina Hannerman. And you will also be in Inga Bretzen's on Monday, October 22nd. So welcome to the show, Trina. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about your background. I'm a... I'm a self-taught chef, um, and I've been working with food professionally for 25 years in Copenhagen, where I have a catering company but and a restaurant and a bakery. And and I kind of celebrate everything that has to do with everyday food. That's kind of my area of work. And then for the last 15 years, I've also been writing cookbooks. 15 years writing cookbooks. So name some of the cookbooks that you've uh, written. The Scandinavian cookbook, Scandinavian Christmas, Nordic Diet, uh, The Open Sandwiches book, uh, Scandinavian Comfort Food, Scandinavian Baking. <laughs> so, and then I, in, in, which has only come out in Danish, I've written a book called 365 Meals, One for Every Day in the Year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now, so oh, yeah. for, for cooking, for for you, is cooking a, a, a laborious, horrible task that you just have to do to survive, or is it something that adds to life, or something in between? Oh, oh, definitely the last. I love cooking, so I'm kind of doing the right thing, and I never trained as a chef, so this wasn't planned. But it, it's, I think, it, first of all, it's how you nurture people you love, your family, your friends, and it's also, for me, a real connection to life, both because it connects you to nature, it connects you to the season, and even when I'm really stressed out still, I love going home to my own kitchen and cook a meal or bake a cake in my own kind of, you know, pace. And so, yeah, it is, it is a life connector, really. Cool. And then there's also this idea of sustainability. That's been one of your um, focuses. So describe um, the sustainability aspects of this. I work uh, with organic um, in my catering company where I do lunch for more than 3,000 people every day. We work with between 50 and 70% with organic produce. And in my in my shop and restaurant and bakery, we are 100% organic. So, and, and the way we do it, that is we also work a lot with local farmers. So all our vegetables comes from a local farm there near Copenhagen. Grains for, uh, is grown near Copenhagen. And milk, like an hour away, and comes from a miller every week. And beer... Acrovit, all these, you know, staple uh, things as part of a modern Danish diet are grown locally. All the dairy comes from a really nice farm in Jutland. So for me, this, the whole issue is, 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 you can say, transparency in the way that you know the people who grow the food. You have a conversation about which way you're heading. You try to look at your food waste, the way you use water. We don't, we don't have any clean, we don't have chemicals in the kitchen. We have these very spe special fiber cloths. We can clean with without using any soap, 
and it's really clean. It's something that's developed for hospitals. So, and I also always say that working and trying to create a sustainable uh, company is a moving target because what you think is the truth today can maybe change tomorrow because of science and things you find out. So it's also about that, looking into all your practices all the time and then see how you can do better. Well, you said so much, Trina, in, in that in that sentence. And I like one of the things when you said chemicals, one of my pet peeves is if I go to a restaurant and then they start spraying a chemical next to the table oh, to clean up and yeah. how that interferes with my meal. And you know, sometimes it's yeah. I'm with people who are sensitive and they can't no longer be in the restaurant. So so you yeah. found a non-chemical way. But the other thing I just loved about the story, and I almost want you to slow down, is 3,000 meals, the milk's coming from an hour away. The cheese—it's all relational. It's all that you know. The producers that are that you, that these three thousand meals are coming from. That's a that sounds quaint. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't think it is. I think it's a, it's very professional. You know, it's but it's a long journey. I've been on this journey for more than ten years, and and you. In Denmark, we have a lot of organic farmers that, 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 you know, you create this relationship because we don't really have farmers markets. That's not, we have farm shops. So they are also dependent on other ways of, of getting produce out. But I mean, for me, it's, it's a very natural thing. And I know nothing better than to drive out in the afternoon and visit the farmers. I mean, it makes so much sense to me to have that relationship. And you also asked before about life, you know, the, the things that grows in the soil, you know, that's just a very, it's a testament to life. Yeah, and then um, what about the um, the sustainability in terms of are you able to source most of the food locally? Can you Is Denmark self-sufficient when it comes to food or is it reliant on um, ex, um, importing um, from other countries, from industrial sources? Yeah, we, we do also import a lot of food. And I will say I'm not a, I'm, I don't believe in 100% local. I, I try to say 60% local and 40% global. And that's also because uh, we can't live without coffee and lemons and spices and <laughs> olive oil and all the things that can grow in Denmark. But I actually also think it's very important to trade with each other because that's the way to exchange food culture. You know, we learn so much from trading. You know, so many of the dishes that we know comes from trading. And therefore, I, you know, that's part of the relationship too. But then I know, of course, some producers around Europe that I also, um, that I also buy from. But I also have a big supplier, and especially in the winter months, you know, there's not a lot. And when you get to March in Denmark, there's not a lot of vegetables left. And then you have to buy something from other places in Europe. So, Julie, um, Julie Ingebretsen's, you're with the Ingebretsen store on Lake Street, a third-generation owner of that. So, you know all about this idea of trading. There's this balance between global and local. There's, they're, they're not necessarily polar opposites. They they dance together. Absolutely, yeah, and getting to be more so all the time. Um, I know in Scandinavia, we used to be able to buy a lot of things that were made there, and they are having things made in other places in Europe because of the cost mainly cost ideas um others there are other countries where things can be made as well but a little more cheaply so um yeah it's we're just more and more interconnected all the time and uh, it's it's an interesting phenomenon but it's but it's very real it's very real. Yeah. I, I think there's a natural passion for the craft food, the small, the milk person, mm -hmm. the, the craft food. Uh, Trina, is that is? I mean, even though that we may be trading globally, is there also some way of supporting the individual craft people on both a local and a global level? Yeah, I mean, I try uh, through my books to talk about the, the, the possibilities of, of exploring the food culture that comes from Scandinavia and Denmark. You know, I have I have a honey grower who has a very small production, but you know is very interested in in selling it in London. And so I try to connect people with each other around you know for opportunities to do that. And I've been sitting on, on different boards in Copenhagen, in Denmark for the government uh, about how do you export, how do you make, how do you spread out knowledge from small small juices because it's more more difficult for them to export than big ones. They do really well on their own. So I I think. 
I think it's really important, especially also because Scandinavia is not that big. So if you want to have a, a sustainable business economically as well, you, you actually sometimes have to depend on other markets. Yeah, and uh, and depending on other markets is is actually even though that that can be feel kind of unsafe, it's actually uh, it's kind of we are interdependent, right? So we yeah. need to have yeah. that that sense of building up each other. Um, so uh, we've got about a, a minute in this segment. Um, tell us more about um, the Copenhagen food and what this book is about. Yeah, I kind of wrote a, a, a tribute to my hometown where I grew up uh, because it's gone through a very big transformation from me being a little girl living there and to the kind of gastronomic, gastronomic city it is now. You know, food is just everywhere and restaurants are opening all the time, bakeries, coffee bar. I mean, it's so exciting, I think, to come visit. But I also just wanted to talk about the time before that and who was there before that, so you get the full picture. Um, because I think Copenhagen is, a, is, is becoming a cosmopolitan city, and it's, it's never been more exciting to live there, actually. Um, have you visited Copenhagen? I have not visited Copenhagen. Have no, you, No, I'd sure like to, especially after reading this book. <laughs> I can hardly wait. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, yeah, it's a very personal book. I mean, I also write about my own childhood growing up there, the different boroughs I lived in, and how food is connected to that. And right. the recipes are very much every day. Right. We're going to need to take a little break, and when we come back, we'll talk more. We're going to talk about specific seasonings and more about Ingebretsen's, and you will be at a book signing at Ingebretsen's on Monday, October 22nd. You'll be there for two events. More today's. you're listening yes. to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Seward Community Co-op is hosting two fabulous dinners in October, and you're invited. Firstly, a farm table featuring produce from the Hmong American Farmers Association on Tuesday, October 23rd from 6 to 8.30 p.m. at Seward Co-op Creamery Cafe. This meal has been designed by executive chef Matt Capra. Tickets for the three-course dinner are $49. Tickets are limited, so grab your seat at Seward Co-op Creamery's farm table right away. Seward Community Co-op is owned by their shoppers, who are members of the community. They're annual owner meeting dinner will be October 30th and Sean Sherman from the Sioux Chef is designing the menu and will offer teachings on indigenous foods. Not an owner? Become one today by visiting customer service at the co-op. Benefits of ownership include exclusive deals, discounted classes, and 10% off your purchase once per quarter. All owners are invited to the annual owner meeting dinner. Tickets are $5 in advance and $15 at the door. Visit seward.coop to purchase your tickets for both of these exciting dinners now. Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of the Minnesota Healthcare Show, your resource for health care, elder care, and caregiver solutions, inviting you to listen to our live show airing on Saturdays from noon to one. On my next show, I will be talking with the Executive Director of Genetic Health Rx about pharmacogenetic testing and how it can help your doctor prescribe the correct medications for your unique genetic profile and prevent adverse drug reactions. Please join us this Saturday from noon to one for the Minnesota Healthcare Show. AM 950 listeners, we have a home cleaning company with an offer just for you. They're Blue Sky Services. Blue Sky Services will wash your windows, siding, gutters, clean those black streaks off your roof, and much more. Window washing starts at $100. Siding cleaning starts at $199. Call Blue Sky Services at 651-447-4484 to ask for the AM 950 special. If you hear this, you have an exclusive house cleaning offer for AM 950 listeners. Call Blue Sky Services at 651-447-4484. That's 651-447-4484. The fine folks at Common Good Books will help you find the perfect book for you or the book lover in your life. Find a huge selection from a locally owned and independent bookseller in the Twin Cities. They are always bringing in top authors from around the globe for special in-store events. Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sundays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Find Common Good Books at 38 South Snelling Avenue in St. Paul or shop online at commongoodbooks.com. 
Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change, and we're talking with an international um, expert on Scandinavian cooking, uh, Trina Hannerman. Hannerman. Um, uh, and also with us is Julie Ingebrigtsen. She's the third-generation owner of Ingebrigtsen Store in uh, on Lake Street in Minneapolis. So, Julie, tell us about the events coming up. Well, we're lucky enough to have Trina come and do a book signing on Monday, the 22nd. She'll be in our store on Lake Street from 1 to 3. And then there's going to be an event, and Trina, you can probably talk more about what will happen at it, um, at Norway House, which is not too far from us, but it's at, at 913 East Franklin, so about a mile and a half from our main store, and that's going to be Monday um, at 4.30, I think, 4.30. 4.30. So do you know what's going on at uh, Norway House, Trina? Yes, <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> I will be there demoing some open sandwiches and talk about the book and give an insight to the food culture in Copenhagen and also to the open sandwiches culture. You know, what is all the hidden rules and, and a little bit about the history. Okay, so open sandwiches. Um, what do you mean by open sandwiches? I think I know, but... That's a... Uh, it's, it's a very Scandinavian thing. It's a one only one piece of bread, and we call it smørbrød, which is so it's a piece of rye bread with butter on, and then there's different toppings on, and there's a specific way to eat it, and there's a lot of kind of rules around it, how what to eat first, how to put the, you know, we call it the pieces of smørbrød together, and um, it's it's a it's like a unique Danish food culture, so and it has. Other Scandinavian uh, takes on it, but I'm I'm talking about the Danish part. So, so uh, when you say that, I'm I'm reminded of like a tea ceremony. Um, but what's the heart behind some of these rituals that that we do? I mean, they come from a culture of having you know that rye bread is is very much part of us in the sense that it was the cheap bread when you know when you look back at the street. And rye grows really well in our part of the world. So it was a cheap grain and available. And then this bread came out of, of the rye grains. And, and through the 1800s, it became something that people would take rye bread with a bit of pork fat onto them with work. And that developed into maybe putting some leftovers onto it to an elaborate culture with an education that followed it, where you actually took a free education to be an expert Instead of being in chef, you were something that we call an uh, open sandwiches virgin. It's very weird to translate, but, <laughs> but that was what it was called in Danish. And, uh, and you have shops all over Copenhagen where you could either go and buy it and take it home. So it was also the first kind of uh, a fast food and, and takeaway food. But it was also something you'd go out for restaurants uh, to eat on a Saturday and Sunday for lunch. And, and then when we talk about Easter lunch and Christmas, it, it has a very it plays a really big role in a lot of these traditional meals. So the idea of connecting um, almost our ancestors and our tradition is how we carry these stories down and these ways of cooking from our grandparents and 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 and, and, and further back. Tell us your personal story. Did your mother cook? What about your grandmothers? I understand you were raised by hippies. What does that mean? <laughs> so share that with us. I, yeah, my parents were really like 60s uh, hippies. And uh, so, I mean, I grew up in two worlds. I grew up in that world, and then I grew up with my grandparents. I spent a lot of time with them. And my grandparents, my grandmother was an excellent cook. My, my grandfather also had a few dishes she would always do. And so I, you know, I was always around her in the kitchen. And, and when you are a child in way back, it, it's changed a lot. There was nobody who asked you during the day, what would you like to do today? You were just hanging around. And if there was going to be berry picks, you went with your grandmother and picked berries. You weren't asked if you liked to do that. So you were part of life in a different way. And that way I learned a lot without knowing it. So I was given this enormous gift of the of getting to know the, the seasons and the Danish tradition. But at the same time, living with my parents in the commune and, you know, having so many, they had a, a lot of friends and they were part of this uh, 60s movement. I was exposed to food culture from around the world, lots of long, you know, dinner tables with hummus and couscous and all kinds of things that nobody else was eating in the early 70s. So you can say that I was very fortunate to 
to be presented to two worlds that I could then mix later. So I um, I was saying, Humus, uh, one of your recipes calls for uh, chickpeas and lemon. And so I'm like, well, as long as I'm doing chickpeas and lemon, I might as well make some hummus. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to. Um, and so, um, but uh, talk a little bit about those ingredients. This is uh, the ingredients. Uh, like the one tip that I picked up from following your recipe for that soup is using lemon to season the yeah. soup at the end. Yeah. Um, so do you want to describe that technique? Yeah, it's I I I think um, acidity. When you kind of when you season a meal, you're looking for balance with different flavors like sweet and salt, or bitter, or acidic. Or so for me, especially with chickpeas, who has a kind of a bit of I would call it heavy um, kind of flavor, it lifts it up and kind of underlines the nutty flavors with a little bit of the lemon juice or or even lemon zest. So and and. In, and if you transfer that to more uh, traditional Danish cooking, you use a lot of vinegar in things, like a bit of a splash of vinegar to season a sauce. We have a lot of pickled things in vinegar that we eat for different things. So it is about that. It, it, it kind of lifts it up a little bit and makes the flavor palette more light, I think. So I think of Scandinavian cooking, I think of bland. Is that what you think of, Julie? Used to. Trina's <laughs> laughing. I'd say that. not anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the joke. The white food, you know, there's just, you have to have green peas with, a, with your fish dinner or else it's, everything's white. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but it's, it's changed so much. But it's, it's really interesting because actually we do use a lot of spices. We just only use one spice at a time. So like, I'm, I was taught by my grandmother, any white sauce has to have nutmeg and a lot of oh. it. Oh, huh. So a splash of vinegar and a bit and a lot of nutmeg and it, and black pepper. Then it's a completely different, you know, thing because if you don't season it, yeah, you know, it's yeah, yeah, not interesting. So what are some of your favorite seasonings, Trina? Oh, I mean, yeah, lemon and I'm very fond of apple cider vinegar as well. But nutmeg, coriander, thyme. And uh, I mean, I use a lot of nutmeg <laughs> because nutmeg can just kind of, you know, lift everything just a little bit. Mm. And then, of course, cardamom and baking. You can't, you know, you can't just get it in and not use a lot of cardamom. When so, yeah, let, let's focus <laughs> on the cardamom because I did, I did actually make some um, sweet rolls with cardamom. And Hunter got to sample them. So, um, Hunter, what did you think of the uh, sweet roll with the cardamom in it? I thought it was really good. I actually put it in the microwave and it worked out perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, because uh, uh, ground cardamom, um, actually making, we've been making teas with our ground cardamom. It's a wonderful way of flavoring. So how yeah. else, I mean, how else do you use ground, you, you use a lot of ground cardamom um, in baking and um, how, do, how, what general tips do you have for people? I actually also sell uh, cardamom iced coffee in my bakery. Cardamom so iced coffee in the summer. Mm. Yes, I use it in stews. I use uh, a cardamom and um, a, you know a few um, capsules in stews. Uh, especially, I use it in my red cabbage. It's really good with that. Red cabbage and cardamom. Um, yeah. Okay. We and are. I really like to use it with potatoes. We like to eat a lot of potatoes in Scandinavia. So just when you roast potatoes. I like to uh, put some um, powdered cardamom on it. We're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to take a little bit of a break. We're talking to Trina Hannerman, and she's the author of several cookbooks, including Copenhagen Food. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. I'm Connie Bjork, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. In this week's show, we will be talking about ways to de-stress your life, from techniques to therapies, 
to breathing exercises. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. Join over 300,000 Minnesota families by choosing Warner Stelling to be your appliance specialist. Our customers have helped us be very good at selling, installing, and servicing appliances. We work hard to earn your business. Choose Warner Stelling to be your appliance specialist. A fantastic lunch is waiting for you at Milton's, 36 and Douglas in Crystal. Start with their delicious wings, Milton-style, buffalo, barbecue, or naked. Or try their famous barbecue rib nachos. They've got great lunch options like their grilled sandwiches, the ribeye, the chicken, and the portobello mushroom. Try the fantastic fried egg with asparagus and kibata and their jerk chicken sandwich. Or change it up with a Milton's cob salad, a chopped jerk chicken salad, or their warm and satisfying soups. Lunch today will be delicious if you head to Milton's, 36 and Douglas in Friendly Crystal. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch New Beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Don't miss the Home Improvement and Design Expo this Saturday only at the Healthy Sports Center. Featuring up to 150 home improvement companies, giveaways, and more. It's the Home Improvement and Design Expo this Saturday at the Healthy Sports Center. See it all at ExpoGuys.com. That's ExpoGuys.com. Fall in Minnesota is a time for comfort. Comfort foods, comfy sweaters. You can keep your home comfortable, too, with a new high-efficiency furnace from Standard Heating. If you get one in October, you can also enjoy at least $1,300 in savings. That'd buy a lot of pumpkin spice lattes. Learn more about saving $1,300 on your new furnace at standardheatingdeals.com. Don't wait. This sale ends October 31st. Standard heating and air conditioning. Comfort you deserve. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Hawes. Friday, mostly sunny with a high near 62. Saturday, chance of snow with a high near 39. And Sunday, sunny with a high near 51. This week's EatLocalMinnesota.com restaurant of the week is Milda's Cafe. They're a family restaurant with home-cooked breakfast and lunch. Fresh omelets, hash browns, and cinnamon caramel rolls. Located at 1720 Glenwood Avenue in Minneapolis, just east of Penn. Find out more at EatLocalMinnesota.com. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plan to nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Headline. In studio with us is the third generation owner of a Minneapolis icon, Inga Bretzens. Today is Lutefisk Day. Uh, Saturday, October 20th is the official Lutefisk Day. And if you haven't tried any Lutefisk, then you can stop by Inga Bretzens today and try it. And what time are you sampling those again? Uh, kind of, from about 10, 10 or 11 o'clock until early afternoon, till it's, till it's gone. And uh, you've been in the same location now since... 1921. 1921. And how do people find you? We're at 16th and East Lake. So 16th Avenue is between Bloomington and Cedar Avenues. So right in the heart of South Minneapolis. That's great. And uh, joining us by phone is Trina Hannerman and, Hannerman. and one of her new books is Copenhagen Food. And you will be signing books at um, Norway House in Ingebretsen's on Monday, October 22nd. And so, and then when we went to break, we talked a little bit about cardamom and spice and potatoes. So, tell us, how do you cook potatoes? I mean, give us some of your potato cooking tips. I mean, I, I love um, to ha- have, it. now that winter is coming, I'm doing a lot of, you know, like big potatoes. You just, uh, like, chop them up in big chunks with the skin still on. And I like to put cardamom powder, salt and pepper, and a bit of pickled lemons into them and bake them for, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, and, of course, some olive oil in there. But I also really like to serve potatoes uh, just boiled and then mash them up with a little bit of brown butter, maybe some toasted um, hazelnuts on top. And potato soup. I mean, there's so many ways to eat potatoes, yeah. How do you pickle? Do you do your own pickled lemons? Yeah, I do it like the Middle Eastern way where I, you know, cut them up uh, in, I almost cut them up in in six or eight wedges, so they're still hanging together in the end. And then I, you know, stuff them with, with lemons and put them in a jar and, you know, let them sit there for 
a couple of weeks or months and then I use them as I go. Hmm, interesting. Uh, so how do you make your potato soup? I, I like to have some celeriac in my potato soup. So like, you know, one, one kilo of potatoes with half a kilo of celeriac and I chop it up, some onions and some garlic and some thyme. And then I boil it with some vegetable stock. And um, sometimes I put chili in it or cumin. It depends on my mood. And, you know, if it's very cold outside, a bit of spice can be nice. And, and then I boil it and then I blend it. And then I serve it with rye bread croutons on top and some chives. Mm. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting hungry. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Trina, yeah. Trina, one of the things I did love about this, this is not necessarily a cookbook that you have on Copenhagen food. It is actually, it's both a travel guide and a story of human connection with Food. I mean, it's it's and it's it's also um, very much neighborhood or place based. So, yeah. um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it, when I started writing it, I I soon realized that I you know I wanted to to tell people about my connection with all the different neighborhoods in Copenhagen because I actually lived in all of them, and and I thought that would be a great way to you know get around what it is to see what the feeling is like, but also what my memory is about it and. And I really do love writing, so it was also a really big chance for me to explore that a little more than than writing a recipe. Um, so, so that was how I came about doing it like that. Um, and I I, re- I I really enjoyed writing this book. Um, I must say it was it was really fun. Yeah. So to put this in a local context, it's like is Minneapolis food different than St. Paul food? What do you think? Do you think traditionally the different neighborhoods had different types of food and food history? I bet I bet that was truer in the past. You know, now we've become so foodie, foodie everywhere, right? Um, so many good restaurants everywhere that serve really interesting stuff, but it doesn't seem as provincial. Is that the word? Yeah, or just I or mean, place based. Yeah, from yeah. Back how, then. I yeah. mean, it's mixed, which is the neighborhoods used to be more ethnic. Mm-hmm. Our neighborhood, where we are on Lake Street, of course, is not very Latino now, so there are plenty of place-based restaurants around, and Somali, um, and that that will change someday. You know, there won't be those really authentic little places to eat, and they'll become something something different, but, uh, and St. Paul is the same, I'm sure it's the same. You know, I think you're right, Julie, on that, and that makes me a little sad because I almost feel like uh, there's like we preserve our architecture in a town, and we realize that that's really important, and preserving the local foods is also important. Yeah, yeah, that, for sure. that local food culture. Yeah, people and, people come to our store and say, "Well, where can I find a Scandinavian restaurant? We want it. We want it. You know, people from out of town, and there aren't any." <laughs> there really, really, there really aren't any. There really aren't. Uh, Milda's in North Minneapolis. Actually, she's uh, Finnish, and uh, she has. Uh, there's, there's a couple yeah. kind of close, but, but uh, Trina in in uh, Denmark um, is are those uh, neighborhood place based foods staying alive, or is it all becoming homogenized? It's all hum- becoming homogenized. I also think, you know, Ingebrigtsen is is also a local deli, which is wonderful that you, that's, that still exists because I actually think one of the things why this also changed is because all the small shops, they closed and we all started going to the supermarket instead, whereas local people with, with, a, with their background, they were represented through shops in the way and you would go there and talk to them and buy a piece of meat and they would tell you how to cook it. You know, that kind of connection also disappears when we all buy the same kind of things in the supermarket. So I think it's happening everywhere and... Um, and some of the places I describe in the book are not there anymore, but <coughs> they, um, they, but they were a big part of, of me growing up in Copenhagen. And, and, you know, and it was also a lot of people you got to know because you, you came regularly either to buy things or, you know, get a cup of coffee or whatever you were doing. Yeah. And so can we reunite that? Can we, can I mean, can, can we, kind of go back in some ways or can we support i think the important things is to really find these restaurants that if you like something support it keep keep supporting it yeah definitely keep coming there <laughs> and then of course the problem is rent you know yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it, you know when cities 
have neighborhoods that become really popular, then the rent goes up mm-hmm. and small shops with specific specialities maybe can't afford there to be there anymore. And then, you know, some uh, expensive fashion brand will take over or something. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and that's a bit, you know, it's a development that's very difficult to stop. Yeah, that's exact, exactly the same here. Yeah, that's always a, a tough balance. A tough balance yeah. to achieve, yeah. And and yet, in some ways, Inga Brutzens has been achieving this balance, being a third-generation small independent food business. What we've been, we've been pretty lucky. Yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing. Why have you been lucky, yeah. do you think? Uh, I have stubborn Norwegians. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because the whole stubborn thing I get. Like a long line of really stubborn people. And um, very... Um, in fact, even saying that, I can remember uh, that stubborn word coming up at places like funerals, and everyone would laugh really hard because. But there's something. I mean, there's something really beautiful about that stubbornness and that perseverance and that sort of wanting to stay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, this is who I am, and and this. The, the, there's something that's needed in our society. I think that's true, and there's just something really, I think, special about S- Scandinavian culture and in, in general that is so. It's very deep. It's a very deep thing, and people grow up with it. Maybe they don't even realize what it is, but when they're exposed to it again or taught about it again, then something resonates that's really, really important. And like I said, it's kind of it's kind of luck, and it's kind of like we've been always really focused on on preserving that tradition and and. In, in in the culture, and um, not just selling stuff, but selling the experience and the and the education and doing the classes and all of that, that kind of thing. Um, are young so people th- going to your store in Ingebrigtsen's? They are. It's really gratifying. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, yeah. And I think and and that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that experience, not just you know to go to a store to buy stuff, but looking for the experience of understanding what it means and uh trina but, do you find that you, as don't well you think for that oh. they're also looking for authenticity yeah absolutely yeah 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 uh-huh authenticity so hunter yeah. you're 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 kind of young i mean it's been on the air that you just turned 30 but do you think <laughs> this is true with uh younger people that all of a sudden we're really looking for authenticity we've culturally we've experienced so many changes over the last few decades that, but we really want to find something that's real yeah, I would say so. And uh, young people kind of seek out uh, authentic things, uh, authentic experiences. Uh, so I would agree with that. And yet there's worldwide, even though that we have this craving, there's been a decrease of the authentic stores and authentic food. And food is really a place where we can be um, honoring that authenticity. Yeah, and I'd say with like franchises in that we've grown up with this and a lot of people uh when exposed to more authentic things then go well why can't there be more of this <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly okay and and trina there's a, a magic word and how do you pronounce um um h-y-g-g-e <laughs> <laughs> oh you mean yeah hunter hunter have you heard that word no Ah, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I tell us what good. it means. <laughs> so, sorry, say again? Yeah, so Trina, tell us what uh, that word means. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a, a word that um, kind, kind of, it, it refers to a state of mind, a way to be together. And it, it is a very kind of... Uh, you could say egalitarian in the way that that hygge is for everybody. It is something we do every day when we sit with our cup of coffee. It's something we do at work when we eat breakfast with our co-workers. It's all the little pauses during the day when we just take time to be. So it is a bit weird when you see hygge socks and hygge candles because hygge can't be bought. It's it's a very it has to do with with the way that we are together. Um, and it's actually a Norwegian word, but the, the Danes uh, took it and, and made it into theirs. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's, it's a bit more 
and cozy nets. It's something we use, and we use it all the time. And we also use it to define if if we went to a dinner and it was very formal and we didn't really feel comfortable there, we would say when we walk out, that was not very hooked. Mm. So, so it's also something we we'll always talk about if a situation were hooked or not. So, um, it's hooked. Could it be substituted for authentic? Sorry, say that again. Oh, could it be? Could is it another way of saying the food felt authentic? Um, not necessarily. More that you put some effort and love into it, and you wanted to share it, then that could be authentic as well. But it's 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 a very dense, and this goes to Scandinavia in general. But daneful, they will never ask you how are you like you have in America in your language. It's a way of saying hi. If you ask a Dane, how are you, the, the person will start telling you how they are for real. And so, and, and so our, our, our first sentence we say to people if they come to their house, the first thing you say to them is, would you like a cup of coffee? <laughs> <laughs> so you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. We'll be back with our last segment. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. Litton's Party Value has moved one mile north. Getting to Litton's Party Value is easy. Google 913 Plymouth Avenue North. Litton's Party Value's new location has the same great fun party holiday celebration supplies. Visit our Halloween section for your Halloween party and decorations and costumes too. Litton's Party Value has the selection, the quantities, and the low warehouse pricing you love. Visit our new location, 913 Plymouth Avenue North. Yes, free parking, or shop online, partyvalue.com. Do yourself a favor and check out the amazing cuisine of eatlocalminnesota.com. More than just a website, eatlocalminnesota.com provides you with the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities. Serving family favorites in Minneapolis since 1964, Milda's Cafe is a great spot for breakfast or lunch. Wake up with their delicious Eggs Benedict or biscuits and gravy and savor their many great lunch options. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Milda serves authentic Finnish pasties. Open weekdays 6 to 3 and now on weekends 8 to 2 on Glenwood Avenue, four blocks east of Penn. Specializing in Szechuan and Peking cuisine, the Great Wall Chinese Restaurant has been a local favorite since 1981. They offer one of the most extensive menus in the Twin Cities. Favorites include the sesame chicken, imperial beef, and Peking duck. The Great Wall Restaurant is located off 45th and France with takeout available too. More at greatwallrestaurant.us. Native Earth Radio is proud to announce we're adding an extra hour. One hour's too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. Great. More time for me to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national native news with reporters all around the country. Saturdays from 1 to 3 p.m. We are awake. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and streaming live on Facebook. Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. Don't let me down. Welcome back to uh, Food Freedom Radio on Ludifus Day. Today, Saturday, October 20th, is officially Ludifus Day. And if you've not ever tried Ludifus, you can sample it for free by going to... To Ingebretson's at 1601 East Lake Street. And you'll have that from like 10 to 2? 10, 10 to 1 or 2, yeah. And then on Monday, you will have an author in at Ingebretson's, um, and that's the author who has been joining us for the show, uh, Trina Hannerman. Um, and um, so what's your schedule like on Monday again? You'll be in Ingebretson's from... Um, 
From 1 to 3. From 1 to 3 at Inga Bretson's, and then at Norway House from 6.30 to 8. Yep. That is true. I'll be signing books and talking about my uh, hometown, Copenhagen, and all the food that we love to eat. And uh, then on, on break, we were ta- you were talking about, when we left, you were talking about um, uh, how, you, how you don't ask how you are in Denmark. You just say, do you want a cup of coffee? Yeah, that's that's kind of the that's the inviting in, and then and then traditionally with that coffee there would always be a butter cookie, you know the famous Danish butter cookies, or a piece of cake, and that's why my grandmother always had jars full of cookies because it was very embarrassing not to have something to serve with the coffee when neighbors came by unannounced. Uh, so that's so that all these hygge moments also comes from you know that you know and. Um, and it was a big part of our culture, and we do drink a lot of coffee. I mean, my grandmother would drink a cup of coffee before she went to bed. So, uh, <laughs> it, any it, time it, I went to my big. to my grandma's house, they it was always a cookie. There was just you, here's this homemade cookie. There was, a, it was just it was something that was there. How yeah. about you, Julie? Do you do you have those memories of uh, childhood of always having something with your grandmother or? Um, I did, I grew up pretty much without grandmas, so no, no, but that sounds really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I should try to become that yeah. kind of grandma. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk, the other priority that you've had is sustainability. Um, so how is food and place and sustainability, how are they all interconnected? I... I think food plays a huge role because the way we grow food has to do it, it has a lot of effect on the on the climate change issues. So therefore we need to look at what kind of food do we eat, which kind of food shouldn't be traveling. And then of course, as I said before, two big things is also water, the lack of water and the respect of how we use water. And and then of course that also, transportation of food. Should we really fly a lot of food around the world, or should we just do the things that really make sense? And so, so it's, and when it comes to local, there's seasons to think of. And, and local food is very easy if you live in California, of course, because you have everything there, more or less, and, and it grows all year round. But in, when you live on the northern hemisphere of our planet, local is a bit more challenging because we've gotten used to that we can have everything year round. So I think it's important to look at where you live, what kind of seasons do you have, and and how can you live in you know in a more you can say natural and positive way with that. And then eating seasonal is very important in Scandinavia. Like when there's strawberries, we eat them every day. When there's asparagus, we don't eat them every day because that's too expensive, but we eat them often. So it's kind of you know celebrate the food when it's there. And then take a break and look forward to it to come back next year. That sounds very wise. It does, yeah. and 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 how to <laughs> learn to do that. And I mean, the, the environmental cost of some of the foods that we're eating. Obviously, there's palm oil. The rainforests have been cut down. About yeah. half, forty nine percent of the Earth's surface has is now being used for agriculture. Almost half. Wow. And yeah. so that use, um, we we need to start trying to find better ways of doing that. And I th- I'm wondering about connecting food to place, how important the place, the soil that the food was actually grown in impacts the food as we're eating it. Trina? I mean, that's really, really important um, because it, it, exactly like with wine, there's a terroir where, like in, in Denmark, in the south of Denmark, there's some islands that has a very sp- special microclimate where you can grow the best apples and cherries. So, of course, it's a perfect place to grow it. And then, you know, so they do that. That's their speciality. And and they make cherry wine and you get apple juice and apple cider from them and apples, of course. So, and they wouldn't taste the same if they were grown and they'd probably be more difficult and so on. We have special areas where carrots grow really well. Um, so I think, I think it's really important to look into what possibilities is there right here, which kind of terroir and what grows really well here. Um, and and I think in the future we have to look at that. And then of course also we really have to cut back on on meat and milk and cheese. I'm I'm not a an advocate for not eating milk and but not having milk and cheese. And and 
and meat, but I just believe we have to consume much less and have it as a real luxury. Um, because so we get, you can say, a more a more balanced diet that also can that that the planet can kind of survive on at the same time. Right. So one question we often ask guests is, what is your idea of food freedom? So do you have an idea? What does that expression "food freedom" um, mean to you, Trina Hanneman? For me, it means that food has to be accessible for everybody. That I think it's a human right to be able to have a decent meal a day, um, and and we do that through education and sharing and uh, also just enjoying uh, cooking and eating uh, in communities. And, uh, you know, you used to, like me, I was taught by my grandmother, but we don't live like that anymore. So I'm not talking about rolling back time, but we need to find other structures where we can still share the knowledge and the joy of eating and, and, and doing it in a way that everybody can afford Love that. That that's uh, th- I love that, and that making it accessible. How, what about you, Julie? I was just thinking about the the fact that how much of the food that we grow in this country that, that we waste is like two thirds or some horrendous amount that we just waste. Yeah. And just a- attacking that. How do how do we stop doing that? That's insane. And then people go to bed hungry every night, even here. Yeah. 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 And that's not okay. I that's really think okay. that's something we, we have to change the systems so everybody has a fair chance of being part of yep. of, of good food. Absolutely. Right, and, and it, it is so complex because right now we've had a food system where it's almost like race to the bottom. So everyone, the cheap food, the cheap industrial system that's not grown in living soil, and then the people who are working that aren't paid to eat a healthy diet. Yep. So it's so complex. So how do we start... Yeah. Instead of spiraling, spiraling downward, how do we start that spiral upward? How do we change directions? Uh, got any any last second ideas on how you do that? <laughs> we we really think about how we use our money and think about that every time we spend a dollar, we are supporting a system, and we have to be responsible in the way we support that system. Right. Every dollar you spend, you're responsible with it and, 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 and loving it and, and, and letting a different thing rise. Well, you've been listening to Food Freedom Radio. Joining us um, is, is uh, author of Copenhagen Food, Trin Hanneman, who will be at Inca Bretzen's on Monday. Also, remember, if I haven't said this enough, today is Lutefus Day. And you can go to Inca Bretzen's and get a sample of Lutefus. <laughs> and you've been listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm 